Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 267 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. You've been off for a few weeks. What have you been up to? Well, finished Last of Us 2, of course, the, the original playthrough. Then I went to play Ghost of Tsushima, finished that. That was good. Uh, and then went back to Last of Us 2 for the new Game Plus because uh, they released the new Game Plus and the update in the middle of when Ghost of Tsushima was out. For those of that don't know, the new Game Plus is basically where you take all of the guns, the equipment and the upgrades and stuff that you got at the end of the main game and you take that back to the start return to that and it's just the more i play the new game plus for last of us 2 the, the more the game continues to surprise me and to just be excellent and now it's not open world in the way that something like the witcher is or something crazy like that but right. it's, it's sort of it's sort of a game where it's still very much linear you are going on one path but the area is a bit more open so there's like more buildings to explore and more buildings to go into and just having a lot of fun just generally sort of exploring there's just a lot of areas that i've sort of ended up finding and areas i never even went to in my first playthrough or never even found in my <laughs> first playthrough it's even just really interesting when you're exploring certain areas and like if there's a locked door but you can work out sort of okay how do i get in there and then you maybe like climb around a different area and smash open a window you'll see like little posters on the wall and you'll see uh you know obviously some materials and stuff and then sometimes you'll see you know a dead body that's been there for a while and you'll usually see a note and and it's just really fun to, um, well, not fun in terms of the stories because they're usually quite dark in terms of what happened to these people. Because a lot of them are sort of like, oh, I've been bitten or something and my partner's gone off somewhere else. And Ellie will sort of realize as she was reading the letter that the person that this letter is maybe referencing to, like she's already come across that person maybe. They're always like different little stories and stuff. And um, in the grand scale of the big story in the, in the game and stuff, these letters don't mean that much. But it's about the world being building and telling these little stories to sort of build out the world and really show that even outside of the main characters there is still a lot of things that happened and a lot of things that went down mm. um, in this world and it's just uh, as somebody who's really interested in you know the post-apocalyptic genre and stuff it's just really interesting to come across those sort of stories and even if you just sort of look at the room and like maybe there's a gun in a certain position or it's clear that the character died in a certain way even that on its own does a lot of sort of visual storytelling which I think is is quite good so we did it, all the 
these little things in the game, like exploring these little areas I didn't find, or even just the task of working out like, okay, how do I get in that room? And there's a rope there. And can I put that over this thing? And that doesn't work. And then you try it a different way. <laughs> uh, it does, does feel very, very rewarding. And uh, it's just been a really great experience. The funny thing is, I remember going into New Game Plus and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go through this. You know, I'm going to skip all the cutscenes and stuff because I've already seen them. I'm still just sitting there watching the cutscenes, <laughs> even though I only saw them about a month ago or whatever, because they're just so they're just so good and so captivating and uh i know exactly what's going to happen but like the performance and the story and uh just everything they go for is just it's just so brilliant so yeah, yeah i'm i'm really really enjoying my uh playthrough of that at the moment or my second playthrough even though i know the, the fact that within the next couple of weeks or the next couple of months there's loads of games coming out i don't want to rush this experience because i'm really really enjoying it i want to take my time with it and um it's just felt very rewarding i still haven't picked up last of us two yet i i really need to do that i love the first game i've just as you know i'm more of a pc gamer than i am a console gamer but that is one of the few games that i am likely to pick up on console so i'm really interested to uh play through it at some point yeah but uh if you can't tell i've been really enjoying that yeah um i'm mvr which i played and finished i think i remember saying last time i was on that i i was starting it yeah, i had started you were play, playing I, I through it yeah. i was in the middle of a couple of different games and stuff really really good i really really did enjoy it and one of the things that disappoints me the most i won't get into my problems with the new avengers game but <laughs> the, the fact that no one's talking about this iron man game no one's really playing it and i understand to a degree like okay it's it's a vr it's a niche game. market not, i mean it not, is. yeah not yeah. everyone's got a vr unit and stuff but still that doesn't mean that it can't get talked about there's games out there like beat saber or you know some of yeah. other big psvr games that have been talked about a lot but i don't know i don't really know what why people kind of are avoiding playing it or not playing it or like i mean because if you look at you know the, the big gaming outlets and stuff they've they've all reviewed it and talked about it and, and done their standard kind of reviews and stuff but in you know different reddit groups and different facebook groups and on twitter and stuff and i just don't see anyone talk about this game at all and it's just <laughs> you know when you play or watch something and you sort of look around and no one's talking about it or no one's playing it or whatever and it's just a bit of a disappointment because you sort of think okay you want other people to experience this thing that you've really enjoyed that no one seems to be mm. talking about or discovering so it, it's sort of a situation like that but um I was just really continued to be surprised as I went through the story of how much effort was put into it because you look at something like I think it was Until Dawn Rush of Blood which is like an on rails shooter kind of thing that was sort of related to the, the horror game Until mm. Dawn Iron Man could have been very much more like that yeah but it, it, it wasn't there's some good performances some really good like upgrades and stuff for the weapons and that some good flying mechanics and stuff and I really enjoyed it I think a lot of people are assuming it's going to be either a shameless cash grab or a bit like a tech demo like the Batman Arkham Asylum game was or mm -hmm. yeah. you know I mean that was barely a game I mean it was fascinating to play through but it wasn't really a game and didn't they do a free one for Spider-Man as well which was like a little tech demo thing I seem to remember playing at yeah, a yeah. comic con yeah. at some point like, like so, a Spider-Man VR thing yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, which was like a little sort of you know again that wasn't particularly good so I guess it's just suffering from all the things that have come before it more than anything else so it's, i'm yeah, glad that it's, yeah. it's one that you know because I, I don't use the vr headset anywhere near as much as i should and it's one that i will go out and get since you've been saying how good it is so. yeah i really enjoyed that and it's just both surprising and a little disappointing that more people aren't talking about it but mm. still i enjoyed it at the end of the day which i guess is is what counts yeah. so uh two weeks to live the new Maisie williams it's listed as like a comedy thriller which i guess is kind of a good way to put it yeah um it's quite a good show i did enjoy uh you know watching Maisie williams in that and also saw 
her recently in um, New Mutants. I almost forgot the name of the film. <laughs> yes. Uh, which me and Robert talked about the other week. Um, I thought that Two Weeks to Live was, was good. It sometimes, I don't know, it's got this really weird kind of interesting balance of like characters about to potentially be shot and like someone pulls a joke and then they sort of break themselves out of the situation and sort of like, oh, I thought you were going to do that and you're pointing the gun at me and like they, 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 they sort of like... <laughs> some some of the characters sort of like confuse each other on what mm. they're kind of doing um but other right. than that i thought i thought the story was was quite good and stuff i thought that Maisie was really good in the show and when the show allows her to be a badass it's quite good but she's got this character i think it's her mother and that kind of pulls Maisie's character back a little bit and i kind of wish i hadn't done that so much right. um, they've set up something potentially quite good for uh, for season two if obviously if it, if it gets one and that but uh overall i enjoyed it it's just got this interesting kind of weird comedic angle to it i don't think the comedy was bad it was just very kind of strange and weird sometimes it worked quite well and sometimes it, it sort of was trying to go for something else that maybe didn't quite work so well strange comedy is the only way I can right, kind of describe okay. it. So, uh, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was quite short. I think it was six or eight episodes, about twenty minutes each. So, uh, okay. nice and sort of short and sweet. Just a good little sort of comedy. So, there's that as well. And uh, another show that, speaking of things that don't get talked about a whole bunch, really, Nine One One, which has still got its third season running on uh, Sky Witness, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I forget which channel, but uh, yeah, Sky Witness is uh, still on there. And to me, I think it's the most underrated show on, on TV, at least at the moment. I don't know about you know all, mm. all time and stuff, but I, definitely at the moment of of the things that are on on TV at the moment and things that are really good and things that are talked about. This is another thing I just don't really see get discussed online a whole lot, unless you go into I don't know a, a 911 Facebook group or Reddit thread or something. Obviously, you'll see people talking about them in there. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you think of this season so far? I think it's really really good. Uh, yeah, I think it's consistently been brilliant from the yeah. start. It is my favourite procedural out there. I think it's very clever written it's very cleverly put together I love the guys behind it it's a Ryan Murphy show which I always forget I was talking to the costume designers for well Ryan Murphy has a costume designer who works across all these shows so she's sort of the overlord of all their costumes and uh, the woman that was working on Hollywood the show that he did for Netflix I interviewed those guys and uh, she mentioned that she was going off to help out on 911 and it was like oh yeah I completely forget that's a Ryan Murphy show um, but it's yeah so it's Ryan Murphy, Brad Falkirk, and uh, Tim Miner. Tim Miner is uh, an ex-Buffy Angel guy as well. So it's an interesting connection of people behind it. It's got a, such a solid cast. And I love the way that they frame a lot of the stories. The connections between the stories in the episodes are really cleverly put together. There usually is an overall theme throughout of, you know, whether that's about relationships or it could be about love or it could be about fear or, you know... Sometimes they go for the big out-and-out set-piece sort of thing, like the tsunami that kicked off the start of this season, and they're great as well. Mm. But I do like those sort of smaller episodes where they're just kind of a normal day for the 911 guys, and they're getting 911 calls, and they're going out. But all the emergency calls that they hit have something relating to something that's going on in the characters' lives. You know, they're, it, it's just very cleverly stitched together. Really Really interesting and I thoroughly enjoy it. I think the casting's great. I think the acting's brilliant. I'm looking forward to seeing what the spin-off, well, they call it a spin-off. It 
it's actually got zero connection really to the main show. 911 Lone mm-hmm. Star, which is the Rob Lowe Live Tyler one, which is starting straight after the main show finishes. There's no direct crossover between the two, as far as I'm aware. It's a spin off in the same way that, you know, CFIs were spin offs from each other, in that it's exactly the same concept, <laughs> just moved to an entirely different city. Um, right. I'm looking forward to watching that as, as well afterwards. If it's anywhere near the quality of the uh, main show, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy that as well. But yeah, I, I think it's superb. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's just got a sort of perfect blend of your weeklies, everyday people that you save, and then the through line for the story and the dramatic stuff that happens with the characters. It's also just got a really good mix of, you know, these characters can have a laugh and then yeah. there can also be some really serious stuff that happens between them. I've never quite seen a show that's able to give you essentially red shirt characters, these everyday people that they save, but you're really rooting for them to survive and you're yeah. really rooting for like, I want these main characters to save these people and you want everything to kind of go well. And I've never quite seen a show do as good a job with that as, as this show has actually done before. So mm. even if you don't actually find out those characters sort of names or whatever, you still just kind of want them to survive because you want the characters to succeed at what they're doing. And like you said as well, yeah, they, they don't really ever have any shortages of, you know, big set pieces, even if it's whether it's like some stuff that happens in the middle of the season or like you said with the tsunami thing at the start. And then they had like, I think a couple of weeks ago, they had that exploding building or whatever. Yeah. And uh, they had like the rope thing that was going on. So yeah, they never have any shortage of like big um, set pieces and stuff. But then they're also still able to focus on like, okay, these smaller sort of injuries that happen to people and, and that sort of stuff. So mm. uh, I, I just think it's brilliant. And it com- it combines all that stuff really well together. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah it's, certainly, up to. it's certainly, if you're not watching 911 yet and you like procedural stuff, it's a great, great one to start with. I really enjoy that show. Yeah. For me, The Boys, which is continuing, we're on episode four now. I'm really enjoying it so far. I think it has been a little bit slower this season, although I'm not entirely sure if it's slower because it's getting released weekly, which apparently was a decision of the producers and not an Amazon decision that Hmm. it was the producers and the team that make the show that decided that they wanted to give it a bit of time to breathe in between the episodes. I'm not entirely convinced that was necessarily the best decision to make. Had they made that decision at the start, yes, fine, because I think you would have written the episodes with a bit more action spread out throughout. But we've had a couple of episodes this season where it's been fairly slow going and there's only been like small action sequences in each of them. So it feels a little uneven, I think. I am enjoying it. Homelander continues to be one of the scariest villains on TV because he's Mm -hmm. so unhinged and it's just played wonderfully well. But yeah, yeah, I I think my criticism of it would be that they could do with ramping it up a little bit more at the moment. And there's some wonderfully strange things going on. I mean, the stuff with the deep was was beautifully (laughs) weird. Um, That's one of those situations where you're watching a show and something awkward happens and you think what do i say about this on the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> it's yeah. just particularly weird yeah. that that is apparently i think the voice of the girls in that was pat noswalt <laughs> yeah yeah it was yeah i hadn't tweaked at the time i read that afterwards but yes that's awesome i'm really enjoying it i am enjoying it but i i mm-hmm. do think it, i i want it to like kick up a gear a bit you know i mean there have been some great set pieces i mean the whale sequence which i'm sure a lot of people might have seen if they've seen clips online because that was put <laughs> out beforehand the whale sequence is brilliant but yeah. um um, yeah. I, 
I sort of think the first three episodes are slower, so I think it was actually quite a good idea to put those out in yeah. one big bunch. I think episode four is a lot better paced and kind of pushes things on in an interesting kind of dynamic. I really like what they're doing. I mentioned this in the episode four podcast, the sort of power struggle and power dynamic between Stormfront and what they're doing with Homelander. There's a few, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go too far into spoilers or whatever, but what they did in uh, episode four, I think that's going to be, because uh, I, you yeah. sort of look at someone like Homelander and look at what he was able to do in season one. And it's interesting when you take a second season and you challenge that character, mm. you know what I mean? Like physically, it's it's difficult to, to challenge him because obviously he's so powerful, but like leadership wise and the sort of power that goes into that and how he kind of dominates that, yeah. that role as well is quite interesting. What's very interesting as well is from the comic books, Stonefront was a male character, not a female character. So they gender switched it, oh. which works really well, actually, in this particular case, because does, they're yeah. using the, you know, they're using the sort of girl power thing quite a lot. And the fact that she's a social media influencer and, mm. and I like all that. And then there's this reveal, which I won't mention because people won't have seen it yet necessarily, but uh, there's the reveal in episode four, which is actually tying it somewhat back, I suspect, down the line to the background of the comic book character. Because at the moment on the surface, it, when she first showed up, it seemed like a quite a dramatic change from the comic book character. It right. now seems that they are actually feeding back into that background. I rather suspect we're going to get a full reveal of that later on. But it's interesting. It's a really interesting twist that they've come up with for that. And I, I am very intrigued to see how that plays out moving mm-hmm. forward and you've got Giancarlo Esposito in there which is well, yes, a good which idea, is so. that's never a yeah. bad thing <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Pro- so probably one of the best actors on TV at the moment. Yes, usually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Soon to be coming back in the Mandalorian as well. We've got that to come. And up. he's in uh, Far Cry Six in February. Oh, is he? Oh, cool. Yeah. Good. So I've been watching that uh, Criminal season one. Uh, season two is due out, I think, Wednesday. And I realised I hadn't watched the last episode because there was only three episodes in the UK version of Criminal from the first season. So I hadn't watched the last episode. Criminal, if you don't know, is a Netflix series. It's pretty much entirely set in a interrogation room and you have guest stars that come in and play the accused and then the police team are the permanent team so they had people like David Tennant and Hayley Atwell in the first series I hadn't watched the last episode of that so I, I went back and watched that it's Yusef Kurtor who is the accused in the third episode and he's brilliant in it it's a really interesting is that the van driver episode that's the van driver episode okay, yeah. Yeah. I did see that one. I couldn't remember what the last episode was, but yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, they pulled in a van driver that, you know, who's been allegedly smuggling people into the country, basically. That's brilliantly played and it's really interesting and some of the stuff that comes out of that. I, I just really enjoy that series and I think it's quite clever that they're managing to do so much with it in this very confined setting. And I'm so happy it's back. It's coming back for four more episodes for season two, which um, has got people like Kit Harrington in it and Kyle Najjar from Big Bang Theory, who is very much playing against the type that we know from Big Bang Theory. It's going to be a very, very different role for him. So uh, that I'm really interested to see, but that's back later on this week. Yeah, I mean, when you do David Tennant and Hayley Atwell in the first season, what do you do for your second season? Because yeah. that's you know, quite something to uh, go up against. But um, Kit Harrington's a very good actor, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think Kit Harrington's going to be great. And uh, I'm really interested to see the Kamal episode because I think 
think that's going to be really interesting to see him in a very different role um away i have now finished as well this is the well i mean it's described as a science fiction drama which technically it is because it's about a group of people that are on the first manned mission to Mars. The basis for the story is more about the relationship between the people that are on the mission to Mars and the people that they leave at home. So you get sort of equal bits of what's happening to the people at home and what's happening to the people on the ship. I was a bit worried that it was going to be purely a sort of love story thing going on and that was going to get a bit wearing. But in actual fact, it's very well written and balanced between the action on the ship and the action back in base. There's almost a This Is Us vibe to it. I mean, very different sort of show, but tonally there's bits of them when they're kind of jumping back in time on the show to see sort of how they got to the point where they got to you see a lot of sort of background about the the characters about sort of what inspired them to get to the point where they wanted to shoot themselves in a rocket to mars um it's got a reasonable level of balance between the sort of interesting sci-fi things going on in the ship and obviously you know they're on this massive journey things go wrong they have to fix stuff i like the fact that it's based very much in a certain amount of real science. I mean, it's not sort of some mythical future and it's some weird space agency. It is NASA that they're using and the science is pretty much based in fact. And it's a sort of interesting international team as well. You've got a chemist who is Chinese, you've got an American, you've got a Brit, you've got an Indian person on there as well. So it's sort of this multinational crew and you get to see the backgrounds of them growing up and sort of what got them to the point that they got to. The relationship stuff I thought might be a bit annoying, but it actually works quite well. I think it's stitched together well overall, I would say. I kind of binged through it in, well, I, I started watching it last week and then sort of made a concerted effort to finish it this week. So I sort of binged through hmm. it over most of this week. And I think it's one of those shows that it's quite good for Netflix because I suspect that it's probably a three season show because the first season is about them journeying to Mars. I suspect they'll do a season on Mars and I suspect they'll do a journey back from Mars. Hmm. And you could probably end it there at that point. So assuming it gets picked up again, then, you know, it's quite good for Netflix because, you know, they don't like renewing things over like three or four seasons. So I, I think it's probably pre-designed to be a three-season show. But we'll have to wait and see, assuming it gets picked up again. Definitely worth a watch through, though. Thoroughly enjoyable and uh, 10 episodes, standard sort of Netflix run of an hour or so each. One to check out, certainly. I do think Netflix has kind of learned a little bit. You don't need 13 episode seasons. Yes. I just have kind of noticed since they lost the Marvel shows and that, they've tended to not really do as many of those 13 episode seasons unless mm. it's 13 Reasons Why, which I guess has to sort of have 13 episodes or whatever. Yeah. Um, but th- those are sort of the last couple of shows I remember having full one hour, 13, you know, episodes because um, there's usually been either eight or ten for most shows since then yeah so. and it, even if it's if it's eight they've sometimes ordered it at 16 and then just chopped it in half so they're putting them yeah. out as eight yeah. episode seasons so yeah so that's been quite good and that's a way the other thing on netflix i, I started watching was young Wallander 
which is, as the title suggests, a young version of the uh, Kirk Willander novel's new adaptation. It's perfectly good as a crime drama. It's pretty much what you would expect from a Willander series. It's in English language. It's set in Sweden. The acting's perfectly great throughout. It's a solid detective story. If you've seen another Willander series, it's basically that, but with him as a younger character. Perfectly reasonable show. The one thing that's slightly off-putting is the English language thing because we know it's set in Sweden almost all the entire cast is English apart from the lead actor who's a guy called Adam Palsen who he's great but he's Swedish so he talks with an accent and everybody else doesn't Oh, which, okay. which is a bit weird and it, yeah. it just it's one of those things that just got in my head and it's like it's just strange if everybody was speaking either with accents but in english that'd be fine if it was a mix of languages that'd be okay too it's just you've got this weird situation where you've got a swedish guy playing the lead who speaks with an accent then most of the other cast are english and speaking english with regional accents as well so it's not even like just a sort of nondescript english it just threw me a bit and it's a little bit weird when you're watching it because it is blatantly set in Sweden I mean as I say the the overall thing is perfectly fine I wouldn't go nuts about it I think it's a perfectly decent you know if you enjoy crime dramas if you enjoy things like Willander it's absolutely fine and does a perfectly reasonable job but it is a little bit weird and and I get why the decision of kind of going down that route you know uh, but Netflix being an international thing I'm I'm not sure whether it, it might have made more sense to just do the entire thing in Swedish and film it as a Swedish thing and then convert it over into, you know, either dub it or right. pick all Swedish accents and make them all speak in English. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what the solution was, but it just seemed a bit weird that you've got mm. one guy with there's, an accent. It's not like something else. that would stick out a bit, yeah. Especially yeah, the yeah. lead actor. It's not like some side character that you see yeah. twice in the series or something. So. so you're never entirely sure whether they are all supposed to be Swedish or whether there's just a lot of English people there. Um, mm. It's a little bit weird. That was the only thing that was slightly distracting for me, and it, it does distract a bit from the story once that gets in your head. The other new show I've been watching was I Hate Susie, which came out a few weeks ago, which is the new Billy Piper series. It's Billy Piper reteaming with Lucy Preble, who was the person that created Secret Diary of a Call Girl. And when she announced it, she described as, at last I get to make my best friend Billy Piper do terrible things on screen again. It's what I live for, was what she said when they originally announced the show. I, I know, I mean, it, it really is that. It's, it's basically torturing Billy Piper. And it's so good. I'm really enjoying it. The basic premise of is Billy Piper's character is somebody who was on a sci-fi TV show and was hugely popular. Now she's further on in career. She's now working on another genre TV show. Things are going okay. She might have just got a contract from Disney. And then somebody hacks her phone and these compromising pictures comes out and it's pretty obvious from very early on that the person that is in the pictures with Billy Piper's character is blatantly not her husband. So it sort of rolls on from there of how she deals with that, what they do in terms of the damage control and the PR, how they go about moving forward and uh, what actually happens with her relationship with her husband and, and all that sort of stuff. Each episode goes through the sort of various stages of trauma. So the first episode's called shock and then the second one's called denial and then fear and then shame and then bargaining. And so um, I really like the way that they framed it 
it's dark it's incredibly funny billy's absolutely great at it they actually shot some of it at mcm i didn't realize this at the time but you know she because she turned up i think and did yeah yeah the the scene at the the convention thing isn't there yeah there is that there is a scene at the convention and it was like hang on a minute i recognize those backdrops um so i I remember i remember looking at i think they're microphones or something and it said mcm i was like that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so there is a scene that's actually set at a Comic Con. They don't specifically mention it as MCM, but blatantly it is because they've got all the backdrops and I know that theatre. It's either the London or Birmingham theatre. I, I can't quite figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also nice to see Dexter Fletcher back on screen in front of the camera because he spends most of his time as a director these days. For those that remember him from the old press gang days, it was nice to see Dexter Fletcher actually back in front and acting again. That was really quite good fun, playing a sort of slightly washed up old actor who was one of the people that was there at the uh, comic con with i'm really enjoying it so far i'm about four episodes in right now so i'm about halfway through and uh, i've got the rest to watch but it's just it's really really funny and it is basically lucy preble abusing billy piper just throughout the entire thing it's just wonderfully fun i thought it was really good i did think that the not just the display of the different themes and stuff but how they kind of actually go through them step by step yeah um, and, it, and it kind of makes sense for the actual process of the character and kind of what she's going through and stuff. What's the name of the actor that plays the husband? That is Daniel Ings, I think. Because he was in the three seasons of uh, Lovesick, which I think was a yes, Channel 4 was. show and then went on to Netflix, uh, where he plays a bit of a different character. In some of the things that he's been in before, he's usually kind of this, like, plays a bit more of a sort of Barney from How I Met Your Mother in other shows. A bit more of a character in, right. in, in the line of that as opposed to who is playing here, mm. uh, so to speak. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him try something a bit more sort of serious and I thought that was good. Good. Billy Piper's good in the show as well. I, I quite enjoyed what they did with this first season. Get some crazy scenes in there, you get some funny stuff, and then obviously the actual serious arc of what she's going to do. I'm thoroughly enjoying that. That's definitely one worth watching. It's all up on demand on Sky and Now TV if you want to go and check that one out. And that's I Hate Susie. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> 
Um, mm-hmm. In terms of pickups and advanced air dates, we've got a few more things going back to filming as well. Falcon and Winter Soldier is apparently back to filming. That was supposed to be out, was it August? And then August, it was September. Yeah, yeah so uh, that was supposed to be out, but obviously they got shut down for filming due to the pandemic. They are now back for filming, which hopefully means that we're either going to get it, it'll either be before the end of the year or it will be early next year, I would think, for that. But we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully they can do season two of Mandalorian and then this first season of this I hope so yeah Hopefully. and I mean, I've heard some little things here and there about the uh, Obi-Wan show is like making some progress so maybe that's the one after that although we'll have to Ooh, see so. yeah I mean the Obi-Wan show one of the things that I did read about the Obi-Wan series was that as far as we're aware it's a one-off at least yeah. that's what Ewan McGregor seems to think is at the moment it sounds like he's only signed for a one-year contract so I mean he's, he's not saying that it definitely won't come back again I mean if it's hugely popular I'm sure they can convince him to come back but at the moment it's one self-contained story by the sounds of it which I'm fine with you know because it could be that you do one based around him it could be then you do one based around Vader you know if you see how they, what they've done with the comic books I mean that's essentially the sort of thing that they did with the comic mm-hmm. books was you know some had multiple arcs some just had one-offs so I think they're taking that sort of approach you know where yeah, you can they- pull out a character and it's like with the Marvel shows you know Falcon Winter Soldier get one Loki's getting one Hawkeye's getting one so they're kind of one-off things mm-hmm. at the moment there is a lot of Marvel and Star Wars series you could probably do for uh, Disney yeah. Plus which is good because that's what they want pretty much the future of those to be I'm okay if they just want to do one-off series if they can get the actors to come back just for one season or something and it's a great season fine you know it expands yeah. the universe yeah. that's perfectly alright with me it's not like they're short of characters to pick on mm-hmm. you know so how um, far did they get with filming Falcon Winter Soldier was it about I, halfway or something no I think they were further than that I think they had a couple of weeks left to do but okay. it wasn't it wasn't a huge amount i don't think they were pretty so far along eight episodes isn't it I think. yes i think so so or six or something yeah I, I think they said there was a couple of weeks shooting left so it's not that much i don't think so hopefully maybe like early 2021 or something for that yeah maybe i mean if they can turn it around quick enough it might be faster than that the obi-wan series is going to be shot in the same way as the mandalorian which means that a lot of it is going to be done inside the volume which is the led internal green screen space so that should make it a lot easier to film as well because there's not masses of location shooting and that sort of stuff right um lucifer is back to filming season five which had again had i think the the last episode or the last couple of episodes to finish off they've done most of it but uh, that is expected hopefully to land later this year for the second half of season five animal kingdom is apparently back to filming and shameless usa is also back to filming as well so if you're fans of either of those shows then they are starting production again few air dates we've got uh, spitting image the return of spitting image now has a premiere date that is going to be the third of october i am um, don't have brick box at the moment but I am getting Brickbox purely for this. You'd, uh, you'd have to do a lot to convince me to get Brickbox. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this... Or you'd this, have to do some good stuff. I'm going to get Brickbox just so I can watch this because I loved, loved the original spitting image. And what's really interesting about this is it's um, not only got Roger Law, who was one of the original co-creators of the show, who is in, I think he's 80s at this point, but he's come back to run the show's creative team. But the person who's actually 
actually showrunning it is Jeff Westbrook, who is probably a name you don't know, but he's one of the guys behind The Simpsons and Futurama. And a lot of the team from Simpsons and Futurama are the team behind this show. So I think that's a really interesting mix of people. They have over 100 puppets already made. You've got people in there, like all the political people, as you'd expect, like Barack Obama, Angela Merkel, Boris Johnson, Dominic Cummings, who they've actually posted a photo of the Dominic Cummings and he basically is in a Machiavellian kind of outfit, which is brilliant. The various Trumps, Joe Biden, Kiss Starmer, a whole bunch of different people. Celebrities, they've got people like Adele, Beyonce, Brad Pitt, Cristiano Ronaldo, Dwayne Johnson, Ed Sheeran, Elon Musk, Greta Thunberg, Gwyneth Paltrow, James Corden, Jurgen Klopp, Kanye West, um, and the Pope, obviously. So mm. Tiger Woods, Taylor Swift, RuPaul. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see a scene between Ronaldo and Klopp. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that will come up. Um, and then you've got the royal family in there. Pretty much the entire royal family are covered, as you'd expect. The Queen, Prince Andrew, Charles, Harry, William, Meghan, Camilla, all that. Some interesting off-the-wall puppets. Baby Yoda, apparently. They have a version of Baby Yoda in there. Boris baby is one of the who presumably is one of Boris is, is Boris's baby uh, the Johnson dog and COVID-19 itself apparently has a puppet <laughs> which I rather like the idea of so uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes but um, in terms of the people behind it I mean people writing on it like Bill Odenkirk who is a Simpsons writer and if you're thinking that name sounds familiar he is the brother of Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. um, so uh, David X. Cohen who you will know is the one of the names that comes up on the Futurama he's working on it Carl Minns who writes for Good News you've got some of the Tracy Ullman show writers in there uh, some people that write for Charlie Booker's Screenwipe people that write for things like Dave Chappelle and Frankie Boyle in there so I mean there's a real broad spectrum of talent behind the camera and in terms of people providing the voices they've got Billy West in there who's the voice of Fry in Futurama you've got John DiMaggio who's the voice of Bender in Futurama you've got Deborah Wilson who works on Family Guy you've got Deborah Stevenson from The Impression Show Lewis McLeod from Dead Ringers Matt Ford is in there Phil Lamar is in there uh, a whole bunch of other voices as well so great bunch of voice actors and voice talent working on it and uh, I'm I'm just really looking forward to this but uh, 3rd of October that premieres on BritBox if you want to try it out there is a free trial there is a month long free trial so you can sign up try it for a month and then turn it off if you decide it's not for you I thought that was probably worth doing um, in terms of uh, other pickups you've got BBC has picked up the HBO romantic comedy authority Love Life starring Anna Kendrick that's an anthology series so Anna Kendrick starts in the first season she's also an exec producer on it not sure whether it's going to be one of those anthologies where she stays with the show but changes character or whether it's going to be a completely different lead each time but certainly for the first season she's the star they have set a few interesting air dates on Fox TV you've got a show called Mr. In Between which is an Australian kind of dark comedic thriller you've got The Family which was a one season kind of family thriller and Minority Report which 
was a one-season show based on the Minority Report movie. They've all been picked up by Fox UK coming at various points in October. Brave New World has a premiere date on Sky One. That's being picked up for the 2nd of October on Sky One and Now TV. Uh, they've announced Wurzel Gummidge is returning to BBC One for a new hour-long film. They've said later this year, but I'd be very surprised if it isn't Christmas at some point, if that's what they're going for. But that's following the uh, last two ones that we released last Christmas, I think. They did two movies, so uh, that's coming back. And the other news was uh, that Bel Air series that was the sort of dramatic remake of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has been picked up by Peacock for two seasons. And the fact that it's on Peacock hopefully means that we'll get it on Sky over here, but we'll have to wait and see. But I'm really excited about this because it looks brilliant. I think I was on the podcast when we talked about this initially and the idea and stuff. And, uh, you know, I said I I still hadn't seen the, um, what was the original story called? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fresh Prince, that's right, of of Bel-Air. I think this is a, a good idea to kind of turn things on the head a little bit and make it more of like a dramatic series as opposed to the comedy and stuff. I'm interested to see how that kind of plays out. Uh, I think that's uh, quite a good idea. And, you know, given that Peacock's a new streaming service as well, means it also does need some content. <laughs> so well, yeah. uh, it, it's probably good for Peacock if uh, they've got this as well. Yeah, I'm interested to, well, check out both of them, actually, because like I said, I haven't seen the original comedy version. So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the original show is is great. And I think the interesting thing about doing this as a remake in this particular way, if you were going to bring it back, if you'd done it as another half hour comedy, I think it would have had so many direct comparisons to the original. And the original was such a huge show, that would have been a mistake. In this particular version, I think going for a dramatic remake and particularly the reason that Will Smith gives for doing it this way, having Morgan Cooper inspire him collaborating on this, the idea of doing the dramatic remake because it allows you to delve into things which they did a little on the half hour comedy but in an hour long drama you can really dive further into this sort of stuff and show Mm -hmm. a bit more of reality of growing up of what it it is like being sort of ripped out of these streets of Philly and shoved into Bel Air and I think it adds a different texture to it and I think that's a much more sensible way of doing it this time around and it makes Mm -hmm. sense particularly for the story because i mean the the original show had some brilliant dramatic moments in it despite the fact it was a comedy there was some very dark points that it got to in that but overall it was a comedy and you always had to get back to the joke eventually um yeah i mean it handled it brilliantly well but it went as far as it could as a half hour comedy and i think this allows you to sort of flip that and add play with it more dramatically and put some humor over the top so i think it's a really interesting way of doing it i'm very much looking forward to that and to say we don't know where it'll land over here but if it's on peacock there is a fairly good chance that it'll end up on sky so we'll yeah. just have to let you know when we hear more yeah i mean i think the the lazy option they could have gone for is let's reboot it have the same characters recast everybody mm. and just do the same thing again this is very much a different similar story i guess but a different take because it's switching more to the drama side and less on the comedy so um yeah i think it's a good idea we'll see yeah how it plays out i'm looking forward to seeing that because I, I thought the trailer was really interesting and different so uh, yeah. I still haven't seen the trailer I yeah, should watch yes, that yes you should, should yeah. go and watch that although it makes make less sense to you if you've not seen the original show so you know 
Okay. I mean, right. I mean, you know, it, I'd be interested to see from somebody that doesn't know the original show what they actually think of the trailer just coming at it completely fresh, actually. So, moving on to other news, there was one show coming to an end which we missed in the uh, earlier announcements, The Walking Dead, which I think deserved its own section on here because obviously we're both huge Walking Dead fans. They've announced that season 11, which is the upcoming season after they've finished off season 10, the main show will be coming to an end said on the Walking Dead podcast 11, 12, you know Right, we've tried to predict for several years Yeah, how many scenes it'll have We sort of said we thought it would go to 11 or 12 It kind of has gone to 12 actually, because they've expanded the 11th season and they expanded the 10th season so there's actually kind of two seasons worth of episodes coming up in the sort of second half of season 10 and season 11 anyway, so you know we said it was probably about 12 seasons and and in terms of episodes it has basically been 12 seasons they've announced that's coming to an end although I mean the Walking Dead universe as a thing is very very much alive AMC is going to keep the license alive at least because they've, they've got it and obviously it's their most successful thing that they've got so. yeah. what they are doing is 11 season will run over two years it spanned 24 episodes the previous six episodes which were um, announced added earlier in the year to season 10 so there are basically 30 episodes left running through till 2022 so we've got sort of a good two years worth of walking dead still to come so it is basically two seasons worth of stuff after that they are planning a spin-off which will take Norman Reedus's Daryl Dixon and Carol Peltier, who is Melissa McBride's character. Those two are going to get spin-off into their own show. That is the plan, which will come in 2023. Essentially, I mean, it's a way of keeping some of the characters around. I can't imagine that you're not going to have other familiar faces pop up in that show at some point as well. I imagine that, you know, you are going to get one or two guest spots and that sort of thing throughout that. And that's going to be the show that Angela Kang, who is the current showrunner of The Walking Dead continues on with. I mean, it's essentially a way of cheapening the bill, I think, for AFC, because you get rid of most of the cast, keep the two most popular ones, get rid of everybody else, and start again so you can pay everybody else a lot less. That's the cynic in me anyway. They're also talking about doing a thing called Tales of The Walking Dead, and the Tales of The Walking Dead is an anthology series, so it's going to be an episodic anthology series, so each episode will focus on one particular event, one particular character, it will give background to certain things so it may be that you get one show focused on Negan it may be that you get one show focused on Rick you know whatever they do I think that's a sort of interesting thing it gives you a they're kind of like one shot comic books which I think works perfectly well I'd still quite like to see the Negan series so the, that comic book ad- adapted yeah, which is there's a comic year. book you can adapt from as well it's called yeah. Here's Negan uh, yes. and it's only four I think it's four issues long as well so it's not like this 193 long issue main series that you adapt for several years yeah. uh, it could just be done I mean, as a, as that, a short series. that may be it may be that they don't do it as a series it may be you can get it into an episode of that anthology possibly mm, yeah um, i mean yeah. we don't know how long those episodes are but if they if you ran it over two episodes or ran one 90 minute episode or something maybe that you could do it that way so i think that's kind of interesting i mean it had to come to an end at some point yeah i mean we'd we'd kept saying for a while like you know 11 or 12 seasons roughly um i think i'd mentioned in probably one of the podcasts at least for the last season or the season before that they are getting nearer to the end of the comic book they've still got one sort of big arc left and then there's like a piece after that which i haven't 
actually read, but uh, there's the sort of the, the next arc that's coming up that's been sort of teased and stuff. There's a sort of another piece of the the story after that, which I think is a little bit shorter than some of the sort of longer running stories of of the show and everything. I'm just not really sure about this Daryl Carroll spinoff idea. The, as no. soon as I kind of heard that, I thought like, okay, they're the two with the longest contracts left. They're the two most popular characters. People still want them to get together after all this time, even though there's been no actual indication of that on the show. Um, But uh, it's interesting to me because, you know, with season nine and 10 and Angela coming in and to me kind of saving the show from the disaster that was uh, seasons uh, seven and eight, which is where they lost the majority of their audience and everything. It is a little bit disappointing to me that although we do have like 30 odd episodes left now or something, I was kind of just thinking like the momentum and everything they've done for the last two seasons, it would just have been good to see that a little bit longer, I guess. But Mm. um, I sort of look at all of the other characters that are in the season at the moment you know you've got the young version of judith and you've got aaron who's really cool and you've got uh, a bunch of other different characters as well there was a question that i raised straight away which is okay what are you going to do with those you've got characters like rj as well who i don't even know if he said a word in the season yet and mm. like what are you going to do with the two sort of grimes legacy characters which is judith and rj that you could still do quite a lot with because you know they're still quite young and you could have a lot of screen time with them mm. the scenario that i don't really want is if they do some sort of normal ending and then Daryl and Carol ride off okay it's them two then on their own and they meet what a new group and just kind of keep going on I don't really like that idea if that's going to be the case we don't know too Mm. much about this at the moment that's just my guess based on what they could possibly do it also means that you can't really put Daryl or Carol in peril at this point right because because we know (laughs) that they're planning a spin-off for them so we know that they're safe I mean it does have that disadvantage as well it does make a certain amount of sense in that you know we know know we've got the rick movies coming up we know michonne has left to go and find rick and those are rick's kids so you are sort of at a point where i see the main show as the grimes story really and you know i mean i know it's got bigger than that but i think the main show will end up bringing to an end that grime story because you have good you will get to a point where i think assuming they find rick are going to have to end up with him and we know andrew lincoln's not coming back so you've got to write those kids out in some sort of way and it would have just been weird had you ended up with judith not with her father at the moment Rick reappears and they establish that he's alive and he's back you kind of got to get rid of Judith because she's going to stay with him surely yeah yeah, you know. and they're in they're in different places. Yeah, at the moment. So, so you know, at some point that has to happen. I would like to see some kind of end game. You're right with Michonne finding Rick, and then maybe Daryl and Carol help RJ and Judith find Michonne and Rick, and then that's some sort of end game there. Like they settle, yeah, that they, they find each other and all that. Maybe that's the end game there, and then you kind of move on with Daryl and Carol. I don't know. It depends who else is going to be in the season because what I really don't want is just like okay, we'll has ended Daryl and Carol have rode off somewhere they've just found a random new group of survivors and let's continue with that I don't think that's a very good idea but we'll see what they come up with yes I'm sort of with you on that is if if they've just 
randomly found another group of people and then they're going to kind of carry on another Walking Dead type thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It also does rather seem to mean that we're not going to get a conclusion to the actual what happened. We're in this universe now. They're not going to suddenly find a cure unless they are and it's about rebuilding somehow afterwards, but that doesn't seem to be likely. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm sort of intrigued to see where they end up ending it. The scenario has been similar that they've already done, which is Morgan and Dwight that left the main show went and joined Fear, but Fear the Walking Dead already had three or four seasons of established main characters, and it was actually quite fun to see them go over there and you know meet meet these characters that we knew both sets of characters, they just didn't know each other. Mm. Um, but you haven't really got anything on the side set up for Daryl and Carol to do the same thing because I doubt that they're going to go. Well, they're not going to go over to Fear, are they? Um, no. There's there's no other group of established characters for them to go and kind of meet but they've got so. 30 episodes to be able to fit something in you yeah. know yeah. so so i mean they've got almost two seasons worth of shows to be able to figure out what they're going to do and set something up for that so i'm not too worried and this is very much i think a creative or maybe a financial decision but i think this is for far more of a kind of creative decision because as we've said many times before although the numbers are dramatically down from where it was it is still the number one cable show in america yeah it's and still got a franchise built from it and yeah. they've got three different shows now so So, you know and there are going to be many many more shows to come Uh, you know on top of we've got this we've got we've got 30 episodes of the main show you've got fear the walking dead you've got the anthology series you've got the carol and daryl spin-offs you've got world beyond as well you've got the rick movies coming up you've got a new series of fear coming i mean you know there's going to be walking dead content around for a long long time yeah it's not going anywhere (laughs) Uh, yeah it kind of makes sense to me at the moment where they are with the story that you, you've got around, well, like you said, sort of two seasons really yeah. uh, left of story. So kind of one season to do that, the next big part of the story and then the, the end little piece that I actually don't know much about. Yeah, so Walking Dead season finale airs Monday 5th of October at 9pm on Fox UK. World Beyond is also going up on Monday 5th of October. It will probably go up live on Amazon Prime before the season finale. I would advise you to watch the season finale first and then what well beyond because i that's the way it was designed to be watched and i suspect there's something in the finale that ties into well beyond yeah. um fear the walking dead is premiering season six of that premieres monday the 12th of october on amc uk and uh they're, they're the sundays the day before in the u.s if you're listening in the u.s they're all back reasonably soon i still do kind of wonder why they're running fear and well beyond at the same time it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me yeah well unless there's story-wise some reason for doing that maybe i don't know mm. so uh, as i mentioned earlier it was dc fandom this weekend it was the second dc fandom this was slightly different this time around because the first one was basically an eight-hour live stream the second one they shoved a huge array of panels up online so you could go through and watch them yourselves they were up for 24 hours and then they took them down again there were some really interesting different panels they had ones for batwoman ones for legends there was a watchman panel um whole range of different stuff huge amount of content that they put up this was a significantly quieter uh yeah. DC, dc fandom than the one before yeah uh, i suppose they haven't really got anything prepared well, this was no and uh, we always knew this was going to be quieter because of the format that they released it in because of the fact that it was literally it opened at 
well, for us, 6 p.m. on Saturday over here, ran for 24 hours and they dumped everything at once. So because it wasn't a live stream and you, people could find their own way through it, they weren't making really huge announcements for it because they couldn't time the announcements like you did with the first one. So mm-hmm. I really yeah. like the format that they went through with this because it meant you got some really interesting panels on this one that you could sit and watch, you know, for 24 hours on your own leisure. But you also had that first eight hour stream where you got the kind of excitement of actually being sat in a panel at a con and hearing this news live and seeing this information come out live as they announced, even though the panels are pre-recorded, you know, as they announced it, you saw this information come out and then it was all over social media and that sort of stuff. So I really, really like the way they did DC Fandom. I think this was really nicely put together. The two bits of casting that did pop out of that, Legends of Tomorrow is getting a new legend. It's uh, Liseth Chavez is joining from, uh, you probably might know her from Chicago PD. It's a new character called Spooner Cruz, or Esperanza Spooner Cruz, to give her a full name. She is described as tough and self-sufficient. She lives off the grid, devising ingenious tech for the detection and defense against space aliens. While some might call her paranoid, she calls it prepared. A survivor of a childhood alien encounter, Spooner now believes that she has the ability to communicate telepathically with aliens, making her the perfect recruit for the wave ride captains Sarah Lance Oversharp and the legends who in season six will be hunting down extraterrestrials who have been displaced through history mm-hmm. so uh, that's the setup it's going to be about aliens this time around which I mean I love this show it, it's just silly and kind of roll with whatever they throw at it pretty much she doesn't seem to have a comic book counterpart as far as I can tell at the moment the only Cruz there is in the comic book is a character called Jessica Cruz and she's a Green Lantern and given that they're dealing with aliens ah. I do wonder if maybe they're going to introduce her a Green Lantern but I mean mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. They tend to shy away from having people with powers. I mean, they, they must have suited up like twice in that season, last series. Yeah, so, well, uh, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this this alien stuff. I particularly liked the ending of uh, the previous season. I thought that was, uh, yeah. that was kind of fun. It's interesting to me with Legends just to see how long this show can go on for. I, I do still think it's got some legs left in it, and I, I did enjoy uh, last season quite a bit. I sort of changed the way that I watched it because because with almost all of the other Arrowverse shows, there is something more to be taken seriously. Whereas with Legends, it's one that, like you said, you kind of got to go with it a little bit and just let it be fun and silly. Yeah. I did enjoy what they did last season. And uh, Aliens is going to be an interesting challenge for them as well, I think. Yes. Presumably, that's going to eat quite a lot of their budget if they're going to be uh, CGI Aliens well. each week. So we're, we're, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Whatever they want to do with that show, I'm perfectly fine. I love it. I think it's it, it's wonderfully stupid, and uh, I just you've just got to let it wash over you. It's just fun and silly, and they've leaned into it, and I'm I'm absolutely okay with all of that. So uh, new character on there. I don't. I've never watched Chicago PD, so I have no idea what this was like as an actress. But me neither. Uh, yeah. Presumably, she's a good pick. She will be joining Legends over on Batwoman. They've cast Sophia, who is a character that's been mentioned a few times. 
if you remember season one of Batwoman spoiler warning if you've not seen season one there was a character called Rifle who was sent to Gotham to steal a weapon that was capable of penetrating the Batsuit the person that sent that hitman to steal the rifle was uh, Sophia she has a background with Alice they've had some dealings in the past she was the person that was blackmailing Julia Pennyworth as well to try and get the Lucius Fox journal she's a name that's been around for a while but it's always been off screen so they've now cast her joining the show is a British actress called Shivani Gaia she's appeared in things like The Catch she was in Strike Back she did a stint on EastEnders she was in Dominion as well because she's a British actress so you know they all end up in one of the soaps at some point yeah she does have a comic book counterpart as well although a very recent comic book counterpart because she only appearing in the Batwoman Rebirth series in 2017 uh, she is the ruler of this island and in the comic book version she's somebody that has a previous romantic relationship with Kate Kane she controls an army called the many arms of death as well but we don't know how whether that's going to track with the version that we see on the tv show and of course they've got to deal with the new batwoman this time around as well yeah a lot to deal with this season actually isn't there you know yeah. you've got the whole change of the lead character what they're going to do in terms of explaining that on the show as well is going to be interesting which we've uh, we've talked about a few times and like we've kind of said before with the fundamental drive of the show really the whole kate and alice sort of thing that was going Going on which isn't really going to be there anymore because you know Kate's not going to be in the yeah. show is going to be interesting to see how they they handle that and everything especially considering uh, I won't spoil the the end of the season but what they did there which was kind of tied into the whole book thing that you mentioned and stuff it's difficult to judge at the moment whether or not this is a a good idea but you know Ruby Rose decided to leave and then I I, I still maintain the opinion that I think they should have just recasted the character because then you could have just kept the same story that was going on for season one but they decided to change that and kind of challenge themselves with with introducing uh, the the new Batwoman and stuff so we'll see how it all plays out but uh, they, they got a lot to sort out and deal with for this season it is a fairly brave move they had a problem when R- Ruby Rose left because it was a case of either you directly recast the character or you did something completely off the wall because the problem is unlike even characters like Batman or Robin there's no other person that's ever regularly worn the Batwoman outfit you, mm-hmm. it was going to be very difficult to introduce a character that could take over that role so so they decided to invent somebody new, which is an interesting tack. We'll see how well it works. It's going to change things quite dramatically. Uh, Javanka Leslie, I'm sure, is a very fine actress. It's going to be very interesting to see how this new character Ryan Wilder plays. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a soft reboot, so we'll have to see how they go. Yeah. I'm glad Alice is still in there, though, because she's probably the best. Yeah character on the show as well and it and does Rachel's Scarsden Rachel Scarsden yeah that's going to be great as well I mean the one thing I am looking forward to is the fact that when Alice suddenly realises that it's no longer Kate underneath the hood and that's mm. going to incense her so I think that could be quite interesting and that could be quite fun we'll have to see how that plays out but certainly Alice has been a great great villain so um, she's still there that's all good moving on Disney Plus has been diving back into their box of old TV shows again and uh, has ordered a Doogie Hauser reboot called Doogie Kamakola MD. You aware of Doogie Hauser? I mean, you 
I'm sure the you name prob- rings a bell, but you've I don't not know much about seen it. the TV show. So Doogie Howser was a TV show which ran from 89 to 1993, starred Neil Patrick Harris, who was very much a kid at that time, as Doogie Howser MD, who was this teen kid who was a genius and was also a doctor. It was a drama series. It was very much written as a drama series, and it was from um, Stephen Brocco and David E. Kelly, and David E. Kelly has created things like Chicago Hope and Boston Legal and Ali McBeal and Big Little Lies and Mr. Mercedes. So, you know, it was it was definitely more dramatic than it was comedy. What slightly concerns me about this is they are pitching this as a 10-episode comedy series. So I'm a little uncomfortable with that, that that's the way they're going with it. It's moved location to Hawaii, which is fine you know that's what you want to do uh stars a mixed race 16 year old girl who's juggling a budding medical career and life as a teenager she's uh, being guided by her family who's a spitfire irish mother who is a supervisor at the hospital and a hawaiian local boy father struggling to accept his daughter no he's no longer his little girl it's from one of the writer producers off fresh off the boat and how wet your mother courtney kang she will write an exec producer series i just think it sounds like they've turned what was quite an interesting drama into a slap about kind of half hour comedy thing I mean mm-hmm. I'm not convinced this is a good idea I do have to say I'm a little bit confused with Disney's operation behind all these Disney plus reboots because it makes Disney kind of look like they're really short on things to use which they're really really not because <laughs> they own a ton of characters especially since the the Fox deal and everything yeah. even before that you know Marvel Star Wars Disney Pixar everything else so it's been I've sort of noticed in the last I don't know last month or so because you've mentioned a couple of different Disney plus reboots for for different stuff i'm just confused as to they don't need to do any of this because they've got loads of properties that they can make stuff from um that Mm. are by the sounds of your kind of reaction maybe like a better idea than what they're sort of doing here i mean i have no problem with them using a new version of doogie hauser but i think there might have been a more interesting way of doing it i think first of all i would want neil patrick harris involved in some way i think Mm -hmm. you could have it's one of those things that could have been more interesting had you done it as an extension in some way to the original show and I mean it depends whether you could have got him involved I mean whether he would have been interested or not but I think it it would have been more interesting to do it as an extension of the original rather than completely rebooting it but even if you're completely rebooting it I would have rebooted it as a drama not a comedy and I mean it had comedic moments in it it was very much more dramedy territory I think but they're describing this as a comedy and the setup makes it feel very much like like it is going to be much more comedic led and I'm just not convinced that's the yeah, best use yeah. of this license you know it's a bit like just the opposite attitude than what they're doing with the yeah. uh, Bel Air yeah. you know because the, the Bel Air thing's actually got kind of reasons behind why it's different and stuff this just kind of seems like Disney's just hit the reboot button on this to just kind of start it again and as I kind of said it's just weird it makes Disney look strangely desperate when they really aren't yeah <laughs> because they've got so many characters yeah I really like the original show uh, 
and you know because i remember watching it as a kid i haven't seen it in a very long time but mm-hmm. i i just yeah i i am unconvinced by this you know i'm fine with them changing the lead from male to female that's perfectly okay setting it to the way absolutely fine all that stuff is great i just the idea of turning it into some sort of broad comedy bothers me more than anything else but we'll see what happens with it but that is is definitely going into production so we'll be appearing on disney plus at some point probably next year i would expect yeah so that's all the news we have for this week now we've got some highlights for next week on tv So highlights for next week. We have some interesting things coming up. FBI Most Wanted, which I know a lot of the FBI fans have been desperately waiting for. That is starting on the 17th of September at 10pm on Sky Witness. So uh, if you're a fan of FBI, the spin-off I believe is well worth watching. High Maintenance is back for a fourth season. That's the HBO comedy about a weed delivery guy in New York City. That's on Sky Comedy and the 18th of September at 9pm. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, that is coming to Netflix on the 18th of September. That's an animated series which follows a group of six teenagers chosen for a once-in-the-lifetime experience of a new camp venture camp on the opposite side of Isla Nubar. It's set during the events of Jurassic World, so obviously everything goes horribly wrong because, of course, setting up a teenage adventure camp on an island full of dinosaurs <laughs> is entirely on brand for the people that run Jurassic yeah. Park. So idea, yeah. I rather love that. I think, whilst it seems like a silly idea, I entirely on brand for the Jurassic Park Jurassic World people so uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's 18th of September and that's Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous and that's coming to Netflix for season one that looks like a fun little series it does I'm very yeah. interested to see that also on Netflix you've got Ratchet which we've spoken about quite a bit this is the uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest prequel from Ryan Murphy once again it stars Sarah Paulson and uh, that's coming to Netflix on the 18th of September as well also on the 18th of September but over on Apple TV Plus you've got Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman back for another epic bike trip. This one's called The Long Way Up. The previous ones, I think, went out on BBC and Channel 4 and various other places, but Apple funded this one, so that's why it's on Apple. This is up through South America, they're going. So uh, it's Hugh McGregor and Charlie Borman riding bikes through South America, and that's on the 18th of September on Apple TV+. The Resident Season 3 finally lands. That's coming to Sky Witness on the 21st of September at 9pm. They've been running through the previous season, so they're finally caught up to where we were before it was dropped by Universal. Evil, season one of that comes to Alibi on the 21st of September at 9pm. This looks like it's a sort of x file kind of vibe, but using supernaturally stuff rather than aliens. It's from the creators of The Good Wife. It's an examination of science versus religion and the origins of evil. It's got a really good cast. Seems to have gone down very well on CBS in the US. One to look out for. Evil, Alibi, 21st of September at 9pm. bit annoying that Alibi isn't on Now TV. I think Grace said something about yeah, that a couple of weeks yeah, ago, Yeah, I hadn't realised that, but yes, so, it's very annoying. Yeah, mm. They need to sort that out. 911 Lone Star, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking about 911, after 911 finishes, Lone Star will start. That's on the 22nd of September at 9pm. That arrives on How Sky many Witness. episodes are left of the first season? Is there two? Presumably one, if that's the 20th, 20th 2nd of okay. September. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there must be one left and then Lone Star starts. So that is the spin-off-ish series starring Rob Lowe 
who is a sophisticated New York cop who relocates to Austin, Texas, coming to Sky Witness. Then Jack Whitehall is back on Netflix with Travels with My Father for season four. That's on the 22nd of September for, I think it's four episodes or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's back for season four. And The Great British Bake Off is back for its 11th season on Channel 4. That is the 22nd of September at 8pm. So that's everything for this week. Unless you've got anything else you want to mention. You can find me on entertainmenttalk.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, etalkuk, you can come and say hello or just follow. It's it's entirely up to you. Lots of stuff coming out within the next couple of months. Uh, it's been interesting with Netflix because they don't seem to have tried to have slowed down at all with their release schedule, <laughs> given that you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and some things are filming now, but things haven't been filming for a long time. But uh, it's been interesting with you know some of the freebie channels kind of slowing down and you know they ran out of EastEnders and whatever, but Netflix is just still pumping Shirting, their content out. Yeah, it's shredding yeah. stuff out. Uh, in terms of other stuff, uh, as David mentioned, I think last week we are doing or have already done the first season of Breaking Bad podcast. Yes. Those will be getting released every Wednesday. The pilot podcast is already out. And also look out on Fridays for the boys and uh, my accompanying podcast called The Diabolical Seven. Yes. So go and check all that out over at entertainmenttalk.org. It's uh, well worth going to listen to. I really enjoyed watching through the first season of Breaking Bad again. You forget how that was, great that, that show fun, is. Yeah. That was good. Other people as well, you can go and check out uh, Daryl Hollywood News source and you can also check out Bex on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites that's Bite with a Y and uh, she's streaming pretty much daily and on various evenings as well for us you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on Twitter on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on Instagram at geektown UK that is everything we shall see you next week Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.